tell you a little bit about Bon. They've been in ministry for over 20 years. He was a Calvary Chapel pastor for, no, right there. He was a Calvary Chapel pastor for uh, about 12 years in San Diego, and they left the good life. If anywhere you live in San Diego is the good life, right? They left the good life and went to the poorest countries in the world, pioneered Bible colleges, school of uh, uh, ministries all over the place. And so he's going to tell you more about that. But he is our real, he's the real deal with his beautiful wife, Heather, their lovely child, Brianna. And uh, listen, you are our missionary, man. We love you guys. And uh, come on up here and tell us what you're doing, okay? Take a look at this baby. Can I take him? I don't think you can have him. We do arrange marriages. (laughs) Give him back. (laughs) He can't marry anybody. He's staying with grandpa. Wow, that was quick. (laughs) Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day to you. We have, oh, your church has been the hospitable church ever. I mean, we've we've at least uh, gained at least 12 pounds. And and we came in heavy, so it was, you know... (laughs) But we are missionaries, and, um, and you know, I, I pray that all the things that we talk about today are uh, that you would see yourselves as co-partners with us, because what we do, you get the rewards for, because you partner with us through prayer and finances, and we're so blessed. Thank you so much, and you guys are amazing to us. So uh, this is us, uh, my little uh, Brianna. This, uh, she's almost two years in uh, July the 10th. I wanted a 7-Eleven baby, but my wife... Life couldn't wait 30 more seconds. <laughs> that would help me remember 7-Eleven, you know, and so, but, uh, you know, she is amazing. She's just this, you know, I, I would like to brag about her all day, but I don't have the time. But just to say a few things, she just travels well. Um, she's just, she adores people and she'll give them a big smile, you know, on the plane when they're trying to sleep. She walks up and says, hey. Hey, hey, and I'm like, hey, they're sleeping, you know, and she just wants to hang out, you know, and so, uh, so I'm a father now, and uh, we were married for 15 years before we had her, uh, and so um, some say she's a miracle baby, but she, oh man, she's just a blessing to us. But I, I work in three different countries, uh, India is one of them. India has a great deal of poverty, uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, not only that, that's, it's a place that there are very few Christians, uh, and this was the burden of my wife and I uh, as we were pastoring in San Diego. We wanted to go to nations that had a very low percentage of Christians, and we wanted to share Jesus Christ with people who had never 
heard the name of Jesus. And so this took us to India. Uh, we have also just a, uh, amazing ministries there. Now we've been there for over six years, but we'd worked previously for an additional four or five years there. And I'll talk about those ministries shortly. But Nepal, home to over 330 million gods. Everything's a god that, you know, they, they, in the morning they're waking up their gods by, you know, hitting the dong or ringing the bell. And, uh, and they're doing it quite early. So those are the ones that we're leading to the Lord because we want to sleep in a little. And so we have an underlying motive in that. But, but think about it. Every negative thing that happens to them is God judging them. So everything. So they're under slavery to these gods, whether it's an earthquake or whether it's a simply falling on the curve and hitting their heads or something that they think that God is condemning. So they, they do all kinds of penitence. They, they get on their knees. They offer sacrifices. They do everything they can. Uh, and so, you know, when the elephant comes walking through town uh, and so they give money to the elephant because to them it's their major elephant God. And so, and so we come and we set them free. We give them Jesus Christ. Christ and him crucified, uh, and that sets him free to live for one true and only God. Amen. And so we work in Nepal. We also work in northern Uganda. Uh, Uganda is about 72% Christianized, but where we're working is in a place called Yumbe District, where it's 95% Muslim. We have a hospital there, uh, and God is doing a great work there. The same people that say, kill those Americans, are the same people that cry out to us and say, save us, we're dying. And we say, we're going to pray in Jesus' name. Please do you know, and so, uh, so we have a great ministry there. Uh, in fact, Adam is going to, and his wife is going to meet us there in Uganda in just a, a, a month or less, right? A few weeks. And so, uh, so yeah, so we work in Northern Uganda. Uh, one of the things I love to do is I love to share the gospel everywhere we go. We share the gospel. Uh, of course, this is the refugee, uh, camp, the people that had come from South Sudan over to Uganda, right in our area. And so I, there on all my free time preaching the gospel and many are giving their lives to Jesus and it's just an amazing time. Sad uh, situation indeed. My wife will share a little more about that. But we share the gospel and when they get saved we disciple them. And discipleship of course is Jesus' command there in Matthew chapter 19 and so we uh, we disciple them. We train them up. Uh, we see those that are anointed and then we pour in them and we make them uh, we don't make them. God makes them church planters. And so uh, you know, we, um, uh, because we disciple them, uh, you know, and we started up the School of Ministries, and that led to Calvary Chapel Bible College in Nepal. Uh, and so we train them up, and we focus in on the anointed ones, and we say, God has called you. Are you ready? And then we have church plants all over. Church plants in India, up on the Himalayas, in, um, in Nepal. We have a guy that's graduating this coming semester who works in the region of Mount Everest. That's amazing. I mean, I'm excited. I want to put a guy in every district, man, a, a born-again Calvary Chapel, you know, Holy Spirit-led uh, individual. And so that's what we're doing. Uh, and so I want to introduce you to uh, one of your guys'. His name is Majaya. Majaya. Uh, I think I'm saying that right. My wife will correct me, I'm sure. Uh, and so this is... Uh, 
you know, Pastor uh, Ross and Adam had met um, a pastor in India, and they told him about the Calvary Chapel Bible College we have in Nepal. So the pastor sent Majaya over to us. And so we're training it up. This will be his third semester. Uh, he is growing in grace. He's a, a quick learner. His English is becoming, I mean, he's beginning to speak English uh, very well. Uh, we look forward to seeing what the Lord's going to do with this man. And so also we have, a, a, you know, our first uh, Calvary Chapel building going outside of Kathmandu. We have a Calvary Chapel Bible College in, I mean, I'm sorry, church plant in Kathmandu. And this is our first one that we're building uh, outside of uh, Kathmandu. It's about a four and a half hour outside of Kathmandu. It's called Calvary Chapel Dumri. Again, one of those young uh, anointed pastors and, uh, uh, you know, some pastors uh, saw that this guy was anointed. They wanted to get behind him. They began to build, they purchased land for him and they're building this building uh, for him. And so God is doing a marvelous work in Nepal. By the way, uh, in 2016, the, mag- the Christian magazine, magazine came out saying that Nepal was the fastest Christian community and it surpassed China. Not in numbers because China is so big, but percentage wise. And so we're at a right place. You're at a right place at the right time. Amen. And so, and so, uh, a new work. We have a work going on in the South. Uh, this brings uh, uh, fear to my heart. And so will you pray for me uh, and my family? Uh, we're starting a Calvary Chapel Bible College in South India. Uh, and so uh, it's, it's a pioneer work. Uh, it's um, it's right in the middle of uh, Hindus and Muslims. It's, it's on the uh, Saudi Arabia coast. It's a, a beautiful location. Uh, there's probably 80 acres, but they've given us seven acres to work with. Uh, as we grow, they will give us more. And so they, they, they want to see what we will do. They're going to be surprised what God will do. Amen. And so, but pray for, pray for me. You know, this is the new pioneer. I, I'm used to pioneer work, but there's, I just have fear. And if you would just pray, and, and you know, and I, and I don't talk about fears that much at all. I never talk about fears. My wife's probably surprised for the last uh, month or so I've been talking about the fears of, of a missionary, and, um, and, and, I, and, I, and I have that. And so, but if you pray for me, God will remove that, and we'll just, I'm going to go, but, you know, just, I'll be able to go, I'll be able to go fearless, you know. <laughs> and so uh, I'm going to have my wife come up and share a little bit. <laughs> Well, good morning. My name is Heather. And last year, we um, were able to visit the Rock, and um, we put out a commission. Hey, if you're interested in coming to serve alongside of us, you're most welcome. And, um, you know, much to our surprise, you guys showed up. (laughs) And 31 of you got on a plane, and the rest of you sent them and prayed for them and supported them and gave towards their trips. And so we just want to say thank you um, for giving us the largest largest number of servants ever. So um, we were just so blessed by Calvary the Rock and the 31 people here on the top of um, Monkey Temple. And we um, just had such an amazing time as the team served with us and really everything we had envisioned and hoped would be accomplished and so much more was accomplished. We can't talk about it all. And I know um, there was a sharing night, so hopefully some of you guys were there. But um, we did vacation Bible school at our Promised Child Girls home. Um, We were able to visit a 
leper colony where um, my husband and I have been um, doing outreach several times a month um, where they are open to the gospel. It's a government-run facility, and yet they've welcomed us. There was no one visiting, and so we were able to take the rock team there, and uh, many of you served uh, a feast, a love feast to lepers and had a dance party. We even have some videos. We didn't want to bring them this morning, um, but uh, you can ask some of those who went on the team. And uh, we did outreaches in the slums and after-school programs, and here's Pastor Adam, uh, I mean Moses, um, giving a message to a bunch of rowdy, rowdy kids, several hundred rowdy kids in the slums, um, but tore down houses and taught at our Bible college and um, did, you know, so much with our students. And so um, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for sending them, and thank you for the 62 suitcases full of goodness that you loaded up and really just, um, you know, blessed our ministry over there with. So thank you very much. And my privilege is to be able to pour into the um, girl students that we have. So we do have um, some ladies in uh, the Calvary Chapel Bible College in Nepal. So every Tuesday, I have the opportunity to teach them. And there's about eight of them um, at any given time that are in our fellowship. And so... um, So I get the privilege of teaching them, um, taking them on student outreach, and being able to pour into them the word of God. Uh, 70% of the church in Nepal is female. Um, So, you know, most of the guys get wooed to go and work overseas or, um, you know, just are not, um, you know, around. And so, you know, what better way to also equip the ladies um, than uh, to be able to teach them. This is our crew in Nepal. This is our students. So you sent your team, and this is our team, our team of students. so not only do they learn in the classroom, um, our students and staff, but we also take them outside the classroom. So we have a week where we take them on a student mission trip. And much of what was on our list of wishes when the team came from The Rock um, were to be able to make that possible. So these are the tents and the sleeping bags and all the camping gear and tools and all the things that we needed to be able to take our students to be able to go to their villages. So we identify a different village of one of our students in Nepal um, to be able to do outreach. So you guys have made that possible and we're really blessed by that. Um, We want to make you aware of um, a situation, much because it's not on the news here, um, but um, South Sudan has been in crisis. Um, There's a war, a civil war within the country um, where the political parties are warring against each other, and it has caused a huge... um, Uh, famine and all kinds of issues. And so the the South Sudanese are running across the border to safety because of the violence, because of the lack of food, um, into Uganda. And um, last year, the the conflict started as we left here last June. We went to Uganda and and cattle cars just started driving by full of people just with, the only things they had was what what they were carrying. And so as we were there, we started ministering to the needs and and just really felt like the Lord was leading us spiritually to minister because many of them have lost family members and you know lost everything their homes and and um, their possessions and so um, these are some pictures that I took last year um, of you know some of the people as they were getting off the cattle cars and so you know as we prayed and and at the time there was 2,000 refugees coming across the border and um, and when we left at the end of the summer, there was probably 15 to 20,000 people. So just imagine overnight, there's like a homeless camp um, where they get a tarp and a mat and um, 
you know, food from the UN, but that's pretty much it. They're left to make their own way. And um, so we just started pouring into this community that's only 30 minutes from um, the Calvary Chapel where we've worked and within about a two hour radius of four of the Calvary chapels that have been planted in Northern Uganda. And so here um, I met a lady named Esther, just one quick story. And um, she had lost her husband and had four kids and um, was attracted to Brianna who was tied on my back. And, um, you know, when I asked her, you know, what is it that you need? Thinking this lady could ask me for anything at this point, and I would probably give it to her. And um, she said, I just really want the scriptures. You know, we're here. She was a believer. We have nothing. But she could have asked me for anything. She didn't even have a change of clothes. So we um, we went a little bit beyond that because, you know, here at The Rock, you go big or go home, right? We're learning that. So we just built a church in her backyard. So um, right next to where she is, I said, the Lord has led us to this place. I said, Pond, you got to come back because he doesn't let me make emotional decisions. So that's probably a good thing. And, uh, and so anyways, we, um, we got with the, our, one of our pastors that's in our school ministry. And um, so now he goes there every week. And this is a Calvary Chapel that's been planted in that refugee camp that we'll be going back to next month. So... And lastly, this is um, my passion. I get to be a part of a ministry that's, um, that works with Calvary Chapels called Promised Child. Um, we serve as, I serve as liaison for the ministry from what happens on the field back to what happens here. And many of you um, uh, signed up last year to support a child for $15 a month. And um, it provides for food and clothing and um, health care to um, be able to use that as a platform to meet the physical needs, but more importantly, to meet the spiritual needs, to be able to get into homes of Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists and to be able to reach their aunties and grandmas and uncles and anyone who will listen really to the gospel. And so these are my 12 little world changers, my 12 disciples. And um, those of you who went were able to spend time with them and meet them. And um, we have house parents who come, who, who are living with our girls. After the earthquake, these little girls were identified as the most need. Um, the, they had lost a home and perhaps parents in the earthquake, um, two thirds of them, you know, make me think they don't have a father and an earthly father, but for the first time they heard about our heavenly father. They didn't know who Jesus was when they came to us. And so we've been able to, over the past year, be able to pour into them and invest in them and just, you know, they, they're learning English. They sing a few songs for your team. And um, so we're just so blessed to be able to be a part of that and um, and a part of the ministry that, that Promised Child is being able to accomplish throughout the world. Somebody said to me the other day, I didn't realize that Promised Child was in other countries. And I'm like, you know, we have a thousand kids in our program and anyone need anyone time there's need so if you want to be a father and you're not a father just come see me at the table and we'll set you up this morning but um, we're blessed to be able to be your hands and feet um, to be able to give out study bibles and materials and equip you know those who are uh, preparing for the ministry to be able to give school supplies and um, food to widows and all of those things not just as a be warm and well fed on behalf of us as we partner together but because that's what the, you know, the Bible says, that's pure and undefiled religion to help the widows and the orphans, but also to be able to proclaim the gospel because they see our love and then we're able to show them and to tell them the, the gospel in unreached areas where, you know, Jesus is not known like it is here. So we're blessed to be able to be your hands and feet. And if you want to get an update from us, we do send monthly emails. Um, you know, you're welcome to visit us at the table and you can sign up your name and email. We just send it once a month and that way you can keep track of where we are. 
it's a little bit confusing sometimes. And um, and so, you know, we'd love to keep you posted so you can be praying for us. And then um, if you're interested in Promise Child or other ways to partner with us, please, we'd love to meet you. So you're most welcome. Thank you. Well, happy Father's Day. You know, when Ross asked me to teach, uh, you know, I, I usually have a, a message in my back pocket, probably about 30 messages in my back pocket, but it's Father's Day. You don't, you don't prepare for a mess. You don't have those messages. I don't. Maybe Pastor Ross does, but, I, you know, I, I don't have those messages. So my, my uh, you know, I'm taking a big swallow. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. And so, you know, seeking the Lord and asking the Lord for a word for you guys, uh, you know, and... He gave me Mark chapter 5. And let's turn there. Mark chapter 5. The title of the message is What Jairus' Daughter Saw in Her Father. What Jairus' Daughter Saw in Her Father. Let's pick it up in chapter 5, verse 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him. And a great multitude followed him and thronged him. And so let us pray. And Lord, we ask that you would speak to us this morning. We pray, Lord, that uh, we would see truly you are our father. You're the one that loves us. You're the one that created us. You're the one that made us. You're the one that bought us back. And we love you. You're faithful in all your ways. You're good God. And Lord, I pray that we would learn great lessons from your word this morning. I pray that you would speak to us in Jesus' worthy name. Amen. So we're introduced to Jarius. Jarius here is a, a ruler of the synagogue. Uh, he was the presiding elder there. And, the, you know, he had an uh, assembly that included the whole community of Caper, uh, Capernaum. His position made him one of the most prominent men of the congregation. Uh, he was neither a teacher nor a preacher, but he was responsible for the order of the synagogue service. He was the keeper of the sacred books, which were the property of the community. He was in sense the president of the congregation, the administrative head of the city, the city manager, so to speak. Every service he appointed someone to lead in prayer, someone to read the scriptures. If there was a visiting rabbi, he would invite him to read from the scriptures and comment on them. So here we see a man with high social position, a man known among the people, a man of prestige and power, but a man who had a desperate need. This man's little girl, the apple of his eye, was dying. I can't even imagine that. You know, now that I'm a dad and have my little girl, you know, I was, I was sharing with another pastor in this area. How many services, funeral services, have you done for children? And so we were going back and forth talking about our stories. And, uh, it, you know, and it just rips your heart 
apart when you have to do a funeral service for anyone, but especially for a little child. I remember when I was pastoring, I had led these kids to the Lord. They were 16 years of age, and, and now they're, they're married, and, uh, and they're born again, and they came from a wild life, back, uh, background of a wild life, and uh, now they're loving the Lord. They had two kids, and their third one had Down syndrome, and because of the issues with Down syndrome with this uh, baby, he ended up dying at the year, one year and a half. And, and this, this ripped me apart. I didn't have children, but I was looking at them. And I was thinking, what would I do? How would I react? And, I re- and they were well-loved among the community. They were, they were these young kids, and, and everybody loved them. And, and so there were hundreds and hundreds of people that filled up the hall, and the emotion was high. And here I am. My voice is cracking. I'm ready to just break out and just cry for them. I mean, I, I am broken for them. These are my guys from my church. And here we have a, a, a one-year-old and a half kid in the coffin. And, and I'm dying inside. And I look over to them and I see them so strong, so solid. You know, they're, they're, they, they, I looked at them and I was astonished. And I was, you know, and I was asking the Lord, Lord, what is this? And the Lord spoke to me and said, they have a foundation in me. And they're not tossed through and fro. They understand that he's in a far better place. He's in heaven with me. That's what Jesus said to me. And that encouraged me so much and still does to this day. You know, I remember after the service, we were walking with them. It was just my wife and, and the two and, and their little boys. And, and she looked over and she says to us, um, Bon and Heather, you're the first to know we're pregnant. And now we were just... Oh, my goodness. You know, the Lord is gracious. He's good. But still, to, to, to just think of this situation for this prominent man, it just breaks my heart. I, I can't even understand, you know, um, the, uh, the, the depths of uh, the desire of wanting to meet his little girl's needs. And so the, the first thing I want to see through the eyes of the daughter of Jairus is that he saw that he was a humble man, a man of humility. Notice there in verse 22. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her. He didn't care about his high position. He didn't care about his wealth at this time. He didn't care about the crowds of people. He didn't worry about what they were going to think. Don't we often do that? We wonder what they're going to think about us. Yeah, we go to church on Sunday mornings, and yeah, it's a cow, the rock, and you know, you know, we, we, we're quite embarrassed, you know, sometimes, but we ought not to be. It's an amazing, amazing, boastful, you know, words that we can declare. He wasn't ashamed one bit. And he wasn't ashamed to fall on his knees and come before the creator of the universe and say, I need help. And so the first point I want you to see this morning, that Jairus' daughter saw he was a humble man, a man of humility. And I think everyone must come to that place in their life if they're going to enter heaven. You know, we, especially as men, have pride. We have, 
you know, this, I, I, I control the steering wheel of my life. I won't give it to another. And God say, no, let go, let go, you know. And, and we have this pride. We, we have this arrogance that we're young and we'll never die. And we don't need you, God. Thank you. You know, and so there's that, that, that proud heart that God says, a proud heart I will never look upon. A proud face I'll never cast my eyes upon. He looks for the humble. And here he is. Here's this man, this man of wealth, this man of prestige, this man of honor. And he falls down at the feet of Jesus. And he cries out, help me. My friends, if you want to enter heaven, it starts there. Falling on your knees, letting go of your pride and saying, Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life. My friends, also, it's important that your children say, see that, you, that you're humble and that you have humility. It's important. It's important they grow up in a house of humility. Don't be afraid to say that you're sorry. Don't be afraid to kiss your child in the head. Don't be, you know, the, I remember the one thing that changed my mind about my father. My father was a very tough man. You know, when I was uh, working and it was so cold, you know, and then we were all there, you know, three of us and sons and we're working and it's freezing. We're out there at working here in this area, you know, in, 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 in the winter and, and it's freezing. And my dad says, are you cold? And we said, yes. He goes, work faster. <laughs> so I tell that to all my students now at the Bible college. Very strong, you know, very, you know, self-motivated man. And, and I remember one time at, at, at 17 years old, I had enough. I, I left home uh, and I was gone for about a year. And I was walking on the streets, you know, just walking down this boulevard. And this fancy car pulls over and this man comes out with his suit and it's my dad. And he comes over and he runs to me. And I'm, I'm shocked, right? I'm like, what is he doing? You know, and he came up and he grabbed me and he cried. I was, I was shocked. And it, it buckled me, you know, it, it buckled my heart. And he let his tears out for the first time. I've never seen him cry. And he said, be home, son, come home, come home. And I promised I would never do that to my dad again. Changed my life forever, forever. A man of humility I did see in my father. And so we must come humble before the Lord. The second point I want to see is found in verse 24. It says there that the man said, come to my, uh, to my little daughter in verse 24. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. So Jesus went to the home of Jairus. It's important, my friends, that we're not ashamed to allow people to see Jesus is in our home. Amen. Amen. They need to see a Bible there. They need to see a picture. But more importantly, they need to see your life. They need to see you praising and loving Jesus. You know, before my dad passed away, the, the night, the day before he passed away, we came over to the house and, and uh, we were fellowshipping. And he said, he said, my son's come here. He said, let's worship the Lord together. I'll never forget that. That's the last picture I have of my dad. He had his hands up and he's praising the Lord. You know, and, and that's the last picture I have of him. He, he, the next morning he went off to be with the Lord. And, and, and that still speaks to my heart. That my dad was not ashamed of Jesus Christ. He was in the house. And so don't be afraid. 
Don't be afraid to have a Bible. Don't be afraid to, to talk about Jesus in your home. I want you to know I have a lot of people that serve with me, these young kids that serve with me, because when they would go into the teenagers, you know, friends' homes of these parents that I know, the parents did not let it go. They said, we know that you're high. And they go, no, no, we're not high. We know that you're high. But know this, that if you don't give your life to Jesus, your life is going to be spent in prison and ultimately in hell. Get right with God. And the son went like, mom, dad, quit, quit, you know, quit. But these men and women that are serving with me today, they will tell you that testimony. And it's through their testimony in those homes that they're Christians today because they never relented. They always gave them Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen? Amen. And do not be ashamed of Jesus Christ. The Bible also is very clear about this. If you're ashamed of Jesus, he will be ashamed of you in heaven. And so let's continue reading. We're going to skip over this, this portion, verse 25, uh, and then go down to verse 35. Verse 35, while he was still speaking, some came from the rulers of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? I, I, what scary words, what scary words they hear. You know, you, your, your daughter is dead. Leave Jesus alone. What could be going on through his thoughts? His heart is racing. Tears probably coming from his eyes. And in verse 36, it says, and as soon as Jesus heard the words that was spoken, as soon as Jesus heard the words that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe, only believe. Don't be afraid. I, I think of my little daughter, you know, and, um, you know, I, I'm a pretty, I'm, I'm a man. I don't know. That's kind of weird. You know, I am a man, you know, but, you know, we're having an identity crisis. No, I'm not, you know. <laughs> I, I don't have, you know, I don't display much fear. You know, um, I was sharing with you guys last time the cobra comes out, you know, out of the, you know, the tortilla buckets in my face. And I'm like, hey, give him 10 rupees, you know. And, and you know, I remember when this, uh, this big old giant um, uh, baboon jumped into our vehicle, you know, and I'm like, man, and I, and I get up and I'm like, he's not getting any further, you know, and I'm like, what am I thinking, you know, and, <laughs> you know, and, and here I am, you know, I was, I was teaching in, um, uh, in, in Tanzania and I was going from store to store just sharing the gospel and these men came to me and they said, they are waiting for you over the mountain and I'm like, who's waiting, me, waiting for me over the mountain? the Muslims, you know, and I'm like, oh my goodness. So, so I went over the Muslim, my heart coming out of my chest, you know, and, the, and I go down and there's like 25, 30 people and I sit down and we buy them coffee and, you know, it's outdoor cafe. And I said, you know, um, before we start, let me share why we're here. And we gave him Jesus Christ and him crucified. And we said, any questions? And so they began to ask us questions. It swelled up to about 150, 60 Muslim men with their robes and their hats, you know, looking at me like, you know, and I'm like, oh my goodness. So we were answering every question they had. And this one man says, hey, what must I do to be saved? And I said, oh, we're going to die. Because <laughs> I'm just not going to back away from a question like that. You know, and I thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell him why, you know, how to give your life to Jesus. And then I'm going to run. But, you know. <laughs> But I can't run because Heather's dad is with me and he's just got knee surgery. And if I leave him, I'll die at home, you know. 
So, so, so I'm like, oh no. So, so I stand up and I tell him that, you know, I tell him you must give your life to Jesus. And if you want to do that now, then stand up. And these four Muslim men stood up and it went crazy. I mean, the place, I thought it was, I thought we were going to die. And they were, they were upset and they were yelling and I didn't know what to do. And the guy next to me said, follow me. And he took him over the hillside and there he gave him the gospel. And from that day forward, I, and then, and then, it was kind of neat. I'll, let me shut the story off here. Is that this, this man stood up, well-dressed, and he said, we can never allow this place to become uh, like this ever again. He was a Muslim. They will take away our license, and they won't let us speak openly like this. And so we were able to share any time we want in that area. And many gave their lives to Jesus all week long. It was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But I wasn't, I wasn't afraid at first. You know, I just came in and I'm like, you know, I'm not very fearful. But I'll tell you what I am fearful of. I'm fearful of taking my daughter to these other places in the world. I, I'm scared to death. You know, I, I'm, I'm scared of malaria. I'm scared of, uh, you know, when I, when I was carrying her as a little girl, you know, I could see these Indian mothers looking at her going, I need to get to her. You know, and, and then what they wanted to do, they wanted to touch her cheek, but I was afraid that their hands would go in her mouth and then she would have some disease. So I'd like, oh no. And I, you know, and I would, I would try to run and hide and go to the men's room, you know, and just, just try to get my little girl out of that situation. But disease, we work in an area where there's Ebola. There's, I mean, there's just, uh, that scares the heck out of me. And then starting this new work in the South, I, I'm, I'm a mess. And I only say that so that you would pray for me. You'd pray for my wife. And I know the Lord will take those fears out and I'll be done. You know, but Jesus said, do not be afraid. And he says, only believe. And that's what I do, my friends. In Isaiah 41.10, it says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous hand. My Lord has been faithful to us thus far. These many, many years of serving him, I've looked back and said, he's going to continue being faithful. And that's what we need to do to get out of fear. So the third point, let's continue. Verse 37. Jesus said, there only believe in verse 37. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. Um, whenever someone would die to show how, uh, how loved they were, they would hire musicians and wailers. So they were professionals. And so they would come and do music and they would wail and, you know, thank you for the money. And, you know, did I do a good job? You know, and that's kind of what they would do, you know. And so, uh, and so Jesus says in verse 39, and when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. They obviously saw the, the gal die, had died, 12 years of age, lying there, not breathing. So they ridiculed him. But when he put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is translated little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl arose and walked for, uh, for she was 12 years of age. They were amazed. They were overcome with great amazement, but he commanded them strictly that no one should know it. 
and said that some, uh, I'm sorry, and said that some things should be given to her to eat. And so we see here that Jairus' daughter uh, saw that, G- that his, her father would never give up on her. I love that. And family, I, I know that some of you have some difficult, difficult situations with your children, but don't give up on them. Don't give up on them. I was just in a conference, uh, last year I was in a pastor's conference and they had all the sons of their pastors up there. And many of them are now pastors. But they gave the testimony how they ran away from home. And they went into the world, the prodigal sons. And they did all the garbage that you can imagine. But their parents never gave up on them. They just prayed continually. Not only did they give their lives to Jesus, but they're serving in the ministry. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your sons and your daughters. Please don't give up on them. I I think of the pain. In fact, I've sat with some of you and you shared these amazing stories of what your children has done to you. And what you have done for them. And some of you here have, you never wavered. You always prayed for them and you were always there helping them. And I, and I just want to give you kudos, man. That is amazing to me. You know, the pain that they brought to the family, you stayed with it. And you prayed them back to wholeness. And that's what th- this man did. You know, and in it, it shows his great love for her. You know, the, the humbling act, going before the people, you know, and bowing down before Jesus, looking, no doubt, spending money on physicians, had the rabbis come and pray, did everything he could for her, shows the depth of love that he had for her. Jairus' daughter saw that he was a man of love, a man that loved her, the daughter. Don't ever give up on your children. Don't ever give up. This is love. Unconditional love. This is the love that God gives, by the way. This is the love that God gives to us as Christians. He gives us this unconditional love. And it causes us to be um, men and women that are patient, praying and waiting. And we love them simply because we love them. Because God loves them. Amen. 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 And finally, in closing. It says there uh, that in the very end, give her some food. Jesus is my kind of man. He always, always given food. It doesn't say so here, but in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 26 in the narrative, the same story, it says the report uh, of this went out into all the land. After Jesus told him not to tell anybody, it's because uh, there was a specific timing when uh, Jesus would be proclaimed publicly, according to Daniel chapter 9, publicly that he is the Messiah. Until then, he told everybody to keep silent. But it says there in Matthew's narrative that report of this went out to all the land. So he didn't do a good job of keeping it in, huh? (laughs) So Jairus' daughter saw that he had a relationship with Jesus. Amen. My, My friends, we need a relationship with Jesus. And it starts with humility. It starts with surrender, saying, I give my life to you. Starts with repentance, repenting of your sins, of your way, turning the opposite way and say, here I am, Lord, teach me your way. Let me live a godly life. 
Listen, you may say it's too hard now to bring restoration to my family. No, 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 no. My, my wife's father, he went on to be with the Lord two years ago. Uh, he gave his life, uh, I think it was four years before that. Before he passed away, it was four years. He was a rough man. You know, he, every, everything that we talked about, he was against, you know, and he, he was anti-God and just, you know, always, you know, old military guy, you know. And then when he gave his life to Jesus, God did a radical work with this man. And it was beautiful. And he went with us to Tanzania, to Kenya, and we began to see him change on the inside out. And I remember when he was going to cancer treatment, it was the fifth time. And he yelled at the nurse. For the first time we've seen him yell, he yelled at the nurse. And the nurse went out and he said, I shouldn't have done that, huh? And I said, yeah, probably not a good idea for your testimony. God can change you now. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come to you with our eyes set on you this Father's Day. We know that you can do the work in us. We know the work that you can do through us. We pray for the fathers. We pray for the children. We pray for the wives. Have your way with us. We love you and we praise you. Continue speaking to us through your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. I, I was sitting there going, I am so glad I asked him for that. Because uh, little do you know that that story is fresh on our minds. And, and to take it from Jairus' daughter point of view for dad on Father's Day. Nailed it. Nailed it. Good job. Come on up here. We're going to have a word of prayer. I don't know. Heather, can you hear my voice? We'd love to have you front and center for some prayer as well. Listen, need I say the real deal? The real deal. You know, leaving a life of... uh, having it pretty good and taking a baby and going to places like that. We went to Japan with little babies, right? But it's a modern nation, you know, but to take little ones and go off into worlds unknown. They live three months here, three months there, three months here, three months there, uh, not here in America, <laughs> over there, right? Between Africa and India and Nepal. Now, when we want to support missionaries, We wait until God puts it on all of our hearts for the real deal. People we can trust with hard-earned, holy, (laughs) unto the Lord um, resources to know that it's going to be used with the fear of the Lord, right? What a privilege to hold the rope and and let somebody who's called and skilled and gifted to go down into rescue mode and we supply the equipment and we hold the rope for these guys. And so they came to us and they said uh, last time, we just lost sponsorship from Calvary Costa Mesa, which is the, the mothership, right? And they were their largest supporters. And I said, no problem. We want to be your largest supporters. So we picked up right where they left off. So that, you know, praise the Lord. 
And we're just trying to break every record, you know, to, to, to bless them and to get behind them. And then when they want to plant a church, we want to plant a church. Amen. And they want to start a training school. We want to start a training Amen. school. Jesus told us, man, he said, don't lay up treasures for yourself here. But think about that day Amen. when you stand before me, put your treasures, send them ahead. Yeah. Right. And you are the perfect vessels to do that through. And so we. We love you. All right. Okay, let's try it. All right. When one person claps, the whole place has to clap. That's like a rule here. All right. So, yeah. Praise the Lord. Thank you. All right. Come on, I'll look it. Yeah, that's it. All right. So we're going to pray, but just know uh, where our Pastor Adam's taking a scouting trip. Uh, in the summer coming up to Uganda where they also spend three months of the year where there's going to be work for us to do. So we're probably going to be, we're looking to plan a trip to Uganda to help that way. And there's, uh, you know, sponsoring students and all of this, you know, sign up, get their newsletter. But the, uh, we are going to make these guys our number one uh, team and we're going to be supporting you we love you, you guys we believe in you. you we're praying for you please pray and not just talking about it we're putting our money where our mouths are and adam even texts us a picture of the prayer meeting and so we know oh yeah you know people are turning <laughs> out a picture of the prayer meeting awesome yes indeed let's pray heavenly father we thank you for the gayonas we pray your continued uh, provision, your wonderful protection, that you'd fill them and anoint them with the Holy Spirit. Lord, just an amazing, amazing places to go and preach the word of God. Lord, use us to refresh them, to help them, to supply them, to equip them so that they have the tools that they need to do the work that you call them to do. In Christ's name, amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.